Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Hey, Dulos Youth, we are so glad you've joined us today. We are excited to get into Esther chapter 3. But before we do that, we've got a special guest with us today. We have Kelly Voris back Hello, everyone. for the third week yes. in a row. But... <laughs> Mr. Miguel Nolan, <laughs> you're here. Well done. We're not even in Mexico. Good job. <laughs> Mike is with us. So uh, this should be a really exciting video today. But Mike, you haven't got to be a part of this. And so I wanted to make sure that you got an opportunity to play a game yeah. with us like we've played for the last couple <laughs> weeks. So I'm going to let you go first. All right. <laughs> You've got to tell us the animal that people say you're most like. And why you think they say that? What? Easy. <laughs> Easy. Okay, here we go. What manatee. A manatee. A manatee. A manatee. Why? Yeah. So I was in Florida in February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the manatee was just chilling Hold on, there. Pause, just you for have a that answer pause, way too fast. Pause. No, you're good. You're good. Hey, I, I'm just going to need to make sure. We're going to put a clip of a manatee in here right now. And I just want you to see <laughs> everybody to see this manatee. <laughs> While Mike's describing it. Back to Mike. Here we go. Yeah. So this manatee was swimming around in the water there, just chilling and eating. Those are two of my favorite things to do. Swim around, chill, and eat. I guess that's three things. <laughs> yeah. So I decided on that trip that was my uh, my spirit animals. All right. Manatee. So, the, okay. I'm just trying to figure out how... I said, think an animal that most people say you're like, and you chose a manatee. He went right, like right for it. Well, yeah, most, like, most of the time, it. people don't compare me to animals, but if well, I had to pick one, that would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my. Kelly, you want to give it a try? <laughs> I have no idea. He was so fast. Uh, <laughs> okay, I will, I will let y'all into a little secret and my family, okay? Obviously, Brian knows this, our junior high pastor, but... One of my nicknames was Bunny Face when I was little because I guess I had a bunny face. I don't know. That's good. So I guess a bunny. I um, really feel like we missed out on this on Easter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, two weeks ago, this would have been a great question. Yeah, I tried to remove that from my <laughs> my memory. Bunny Face. Well yeah. Done. yeah. Matt, what about you? Uh, my animal uh, would probably. Not the manatee. Okay. Um, <laughs> Got to pick something else. <laughs> I, I was going to pick a lion, but y'all went with like things that are, you know, m not real nice about yourself. Like a pride of lions. And when you do that, what for the personality <laughs> thing where like the yeah. lion yeah. is this person? That's what I always get as my thing. So mine's not near as fun as theirs, but that's, mm -hmm. what, that's what I was going to give myself. I don't know if we'd myself. say ours were fun. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So from now on, Mr. Manatee, yes. and uh, Mike the Manatee is going to help us out. But yeah. here we are, Esther chapter 3. Uh, we get a new character that shows up today. Yep. And kind of like Esther came on the scene last week in Esther chapter 2, Haman shows up in Esther chapter 3. So, Mike, I want you to start with this um, and just may, maybe even give us the first, I don't know, two verses and set the, set the scene for us of what Haman is like and why this is such a big deal for Mordecai 
to do what he does or doesn't do what he does in this, uh, in this text. So let's read 1 yeah. and 2, and then you can jump right in. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> Esther chapter 3, starting verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of, of Hamadatha, there we go, Hamadatha, and uh, advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. So we get introduced to this guy, Haman. Um, the, the chapter starts with after these things. You've got to remember what happened at the end of chapter 2 was Mordecai kind of discovered this plot that these guys from inside the king's inner circle were trying to kill him. Um, and so at this point, the king's a little worried. Um, you can kind of tell. And so he, he promotes this guy named Haman. Um, so Haman's going to become the king's right-hand man, like second in command. Um, and the king already kind of has this like godlike mindset of himself. Um, and so you can see Haman, when he gets promoted, kind of steps into that same kind of, of I don't know, power struggle of, of, hey, this is who I think I am. Everybody needs to bow to me. Everybody needs to, to honor me and glorify me. Um, and that's kind of where the tension begins there with Mordecai. I'm going to add a little bit. Go for it. Okay. Um, you did a good job. Thanks. Well done. Appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so just a couple of things to point out, too. So it says that Haman the Agagite. Um, so this goes back to even further in the Old Testament to, like, First Samuel. Um, Agag was an Amalekite, which yeah. we see Saul in actually chapter um, First Samuel, um, where Saul was, like, supposed to destroy the Amalekites, and he didn't. So because of him not being obedient, <clears throat> excuse me, to God, we see this guy rise up who's going to create so much turmoil for Esther and Mordecai. But I think that that's important to see that there, there was Absolutely. a lack of, of obedience, and it leads to this. Yeah, so and that, that's what kind of the question is when you see someone terrible like this mm -hmm. get a position of power. We start in chapter 1, seeing King Ahasuerus throwing this party because, hey, I'm the most powerful guy. Now we see someone else in the kingdom who gains a powerful position that's just evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it and you go, how, how does God allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. How does God allow these just totally evil people to get in positions of authority in our world? And I think you, you helped lead us there a little bit, talking about how Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so his sin and not following what God called him to do now inadvertently affects the fact that Haman is now going, hey, all these people need to worship me. Yeah. And yeah. Mordecai's this one guy going, no, 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 I'm not going to bow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the question for us is how, how, does, how does evil get to that point? Like how mm -hmm. does sin start out so small, but then it affects to this point where and now it's a, affecting an entire race of people is what we're going to see here in a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. How does that, how does that happen? One of y'all want to go for it? Yeah, so, so it is that simple. It, that's what sin does is it starts as something that we look at and we go, hey, this isn't really a big deal. Like yeah. one day I'll deal with that or um, I, I can do that now and there's not going to be any real ramifications of it. But like Kelly pointed out, like 
it was Saul back in 1 Samuel 15 that didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so now there's this whole group of people, and Haman comes from them, that, that are now raised up, and that's where Haman's coming from. So because Saul, this is way back you know, before Esther, because of Saul not doing his thing and dealing with what God had told him to do, now Haman's here, and Haman's on the scene. And a lot of times I think that like, we get this mindset of, hey, you know, when, you know, when summer comes and I can have these moments with God, then I'm going to deal with stuff. When I get older, then, then that's when I'm going to deal with the issues that I have. And really we learned from here, like if Saul would have done his job, Haman would never have even been here in Esther. So. Yeah. And, and I would say too, um, gosh, there's just so many thoughts in my mind. Um, we become so blind to sin, especially when you, you make one choice, like you said. Um, and I, I'm just thinking of like how to make this practical for our students. Like you make one small lie. Like a friend asks you to go out and you, you make up some lie why you don't, okay? And then the next day, they're like, oh, you remember when you told me you couldn't do this? And then you gotta think of another, like it just mm-hmm. keeps building yep. up on itself because you've gotta cover your butt because you've lied, which is yeah. a sin. And I think so often we, we justify it too, you know, where we're like, oh, it's really not that bad. I'm, I'm not murdering anybody or I'm not, you know, it's just a lie. It's not a big deal. And it just builds up on itself. And it's really easy for that to happen. I mean, like we're talking, Saul is so many books before this and it's leading up into Esther, you know, it's just crazy. Well, it's one of those things where when you're, when you look at the world we live in now and you see evil in so many places, it makes you realize that why there's so much evil in our world today, and you look around, you see it everywhere. It's the fact that because of sin, there is evil in the world. Mm-hmm. It starts all the way back in the garden yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with Adam and Eve, that the original sin brought all this evil. It, it changed the mm-hmm. way that men have to do things. It changed the way that women have to do things. It yeah. made roses have thorns. It made mm-hmm. snakes slither on the ground. Like it, it made all these things difficult. Yeah. And so all this evil gets brought into the world all because of sin. And that's an illustration for how it is in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when you allow sin to just barely creep in with a little lie, Mm -hmm. it always asks for more. Sin's never satisfied. Sin's always looking for that next piece of you that it can take. Mm -hmm. And that's where you see this in Haman's life is all the way back from the fact that Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. So now here's this man that grew up in evil and it's made its way all the way up to the top where he's now in a position of power and he's using it for all kinds of evil yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, Mike, let's, let's keep going in the text. Let's go kind of the end of verse 2 through verse 4. Yeah, so the end of verse 2 uh, says, But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. And they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. So Mordecai won't bow to Haman. Yep. But why won't he bow? I know it's. An, I know it's. There's potential for this to be a real easy answer. Yeah. But but give us the the full description of why why is Mordecai not willing to do this? Yeah. So to me, it's because of what you see at the end of verse four that Mordecai is a Jew. 
Yeah. Um, up to this point, he's kind of hidden his his religious background. Um, and so here he unveils, hey, I'm a Jew, and, and this is why I, you have this guy, Haman, who's trying to come, and, and all the glory and honor be to him. He says, I'm not going to bow to this guy. This guy is one of our, our enemies, um, and because of my heritage, because of who I am, I can't do this. And so he decides, hey, I'm standing up, literally standing up to Haman. Yeah, absolutely. There's a reality here when it comes to Mordecai where we've broken it down in kind of three sub-points in, in our notes here. Uh, the first one's that following God's plan takes faith, that it takes courage, it, it takes trust, it takes this vulnerability that you have to have to follow God's plan. And yeah. here's Mordecai going, I'm willing to stand up when no one else is standing, and it, it's got to take some courage. And so following God's plan takes faith. Uh, the second part of it is that evil cannot be overcome by more evil. Uh, you know, it says in Romans to, to not overcome evil with evil. Like, you, you just can't do that, but you overcome evil with good. And so there's a temptation inside of us that when we see evil, we go, well, let me do something even more evil, and I'll get back at this person, yep. right? Like, somehow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really show them. But that's not what the Bible teaches us, and that's not what Mordecai does. The third part is that sin cannot be defeated by your own power. So we have this in our text where we see this kind of stark contrast between two different ideas. One is celebrated, it's vulnerability. This is Mordecai who's willing to stand up when everyone else is bowing because he's trying to protect people. Yeah. It's not for his own gain, it's genuine vulnerability where he's willing to put himself out there and do this. The other side is you, you have this, this card that people play, and I think it happens a lot in our culture, uh, that we would call victimhood, yeah. where someone kind of makes a big deal about themselves, and they play this victim card, and once I play the victim card, anything I do after that is excused. Yeah. So because of what's happened to me, now I can do whatever I want after it. So let, let's help everybody understand this a little bit. Let's go through a couple just quick examples of what does it look like to play the victim card. Like, give me, give me a couple of them. Mike, you start. Yeah. So for me, uh, my parents, you know, I grew up in a divorced home. Um, they split up when I was young. And so there's plenty of opportunity of me to use that as my reasoning for making terrible decisions. Hey, mm -hmm. well, you know, if you grew up like I grew up, well, then you'd understand why, mm -hmm. you know, I do this, that, or the other, yeah. Yeah. you know, growing up in a non-Christian home. That can't be an excuse or it could have been one that I could have played that victim card of, well, I mean, my parents aren't Christian, so that's why I choose to act this way, even though I know better. You know, I came yeah. to faith as a high schooler, so, like, I knew enough. Yeah. But that, I think that, for me, would be one. Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the temptation of all of us to, to blame our wrongdoing on the circumstance we're in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Kelly, give us another one. <clears throat> so the one that I can think of... Um, so obviously we've got high school kids watching yeah. and they all turn 16 at some point yep. um, and they all want a car <laughs> and it's very easy to, to see what other people are getting and say, mm -hmm. well, I wish I was rich, yeah. wish I could have that Porsche, I could have that BMW yeah. and you just get into that comparison game. Shoot, of I trying just wish to... I got that new car. That's all <laughs> yeah, I mean. right? Yeah, you ain't lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the truth. And so 
it excuses whatever they say after it. So yeah. they can say some real hateful things Absolutely. about these people. And you don't know their story. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how hard those parents had worked to do yep. this. Yeah. Or the fact that they didn't get that from their parents. Maybe they grew up in a, in a home like Mike grew up in. And their dream has been, since they were since they were, you know, 16 is go, man, I want to do something so special for my kid. Yeah. And that's such a powerful moment for them. And yet we look at it and we go, oh, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. I wish Shake I our was. Head. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me because what happens to a lot of people is they play this victim card and then they do some of the worst things. And what's crazy is when they do worse things than what they perceive happened to them. For mm-hmm. sure. So like, uh, oh, well, you know, these people were mean to me because I'm so good at all that I do, or I'm, you know, I get bullied because I'm pretty or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you say all this stuff. And what happens is you start doing things that are way worse yeah. mm-hmm. to people than what actually happened to you because you're the victim. Yeah. yeah. And so there's times when that happens in our society. And I think with a lot of you, with your, even in your, your group of friends, where you see someone who you care about this person, but they make up this story in their mind where they become the victim. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're going, well, let's get back at them. Mm-hmm. Let's do all these things. And that's why it's important. Following God's plan takes faith. Evil cannot be overcome by evil. That's not how it works. That's you playing the victim. That's not you being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And number three, sin can't be defeated by your own power. So let's keep reading in the text or just keep going through the text if it's easier because we got a whole lot to cover still. Um, Kelly, tell tell us what happens next. You've got Haman finds out that Mordecai won't bow. Mm-hmm. He's all fired up. What happens next? Mm-hmm. So we're just going to read uh, verse 5. Uh, let's see, verse 5 and 6. So um, it says, And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all all of the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. So he takes this one person that won't bow down to him, and he just blows it out of proportion. Mm -hmm. He is full of just wrath and anger, and is like, okay, well, I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to kill all your people. And it just goes insane. It's that victimhood, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Haman, Haman decides to do this, and I guess the natural question for us is how in the world does it get to that point? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you go from I'm angry at you to I want to extinguish an entire nationality of people, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where it's important for us. The, the second main point is to realize that sin gives birth to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cole read a few weeks ago when we were doing our study about how sin, when it's when it's conceived, uh, or excuse me, sin when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. Yeah. And talk just for a minute about that pathway of sin. That sin's never satisfied with a little. Little sin's always wanting more. Sin's wanting to lead you down a down a path that ultimately leads in death. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some of that, Mike? Yeah. So you can look at it. For for the guys or the girls, you you start scrolling at night and you see um, an inappropriate picture, and you have a choice to make right there of 
okay, I'm going to shut my phone off. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to be done. Or I'm going to take that a step further. And then you start sending pictures to somebody or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and you have expectations of them. And you start what started with, hey, I came across a picture that maybe I wasn't even looking for. And it ends with, oh, no, like we've gone way further than than I ever wanted us to go. Um, you, you can you can think of other other things where, hey, I, I just need help getting done like this homework. So I'm going to look for the answers or I'm going to text a friend and have them, you know, help me with it. And it's not like tutoring. It's like I want to cheat off of your homework. Yeah. And you get to the point now you're at home, you're doing school at home. Guess what? You got all the Internet to help you with all your tests and stuff. And so, you know, you might have a time where you're not supposed to be doing that. But because you allowed yourself to do it whenever, way back when, now it's to the point where, hey, I'm willing to cheat on this test because who's going to call me on it? And yeah. so that's a different illustration. But for Haman, it starts with this, this life of just evil and sin gets him to the point where his anger and, like, revenge is so, so built up inside of him that he's willing to exterminate a whole group of people. Like, yeah. I can't imagine getting to that point. Like, that, yeah. that's just wild to me. He's his day's Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, legitimately, it's the same group of people. Yeah. It's the Jewish people. Hitler wanted to completely extinguish the Jews, and here's Haman wanting to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy when you, when you see people that have, got, that have let sin get that far. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I know that there's times when um, evil can be something that's obvious to us, but there's also times when we don't notice the, the evil in our own lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wonder if that's where Haman was, mm -hmm. where he'd been so blinded by his sin, he didn't even realize what it was doing to him. And I think, I think that's, that's more common than we realize. Yeah. And it happens to people unintentionally where it is just one glance or it is just one time for a test or it is just, you know, one look, one drink, whatever it is. Yeah. And you think, oh, I'm, I'm never going to be this person. Mm. And then you, you start to isolate yourself and now I don't have all the close friends I used to have, or all my good friends don't talk to me anymore. Oh, now I feel judged at the church. And it's just the way that all this stuff starts pulling you away. And it's never Jesus no. that's pulling you away. Yeah. Yep. Jesus is always pulling you in. But what Satan's doing, he's pulling you away. And, and it's John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more to the full. And he says, but the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. And, destroy. Mm -hmm. and the thief is obviously Satan. And what Satan's goal in anybody's life is to isolate them so much that he can totally destroy them. Yeah. And when that sin takes root in your life, sin leads to death. It gives birth to death. And when you watch it take its toll on someone, it's one of the saddest things that you could ever see. Yeah. And... Um, I think that I, I, I think that's Haman. Yeah. yeah. He's just lost control of himself because sin had taken over everything in his life to where he's just. Well, and think about who he's following. Yeah. You know, like when we, you know, week one, we looked all at the king and the attributes of the king and what the king was like. And 
now Haman is the king's second-hand man, and he's been following him. And yeah. you, you start to emulate the people that you follow. Yeah. And so that's a really good question like for us all to ask, who am I following? Is that someone that's going to lead me to Christ or not? Yeah. yeah, that's great. So let's wrap it up a little bit, mm-hmm. okay? Mike, can you, can you just go through real quick, yeah. um, kind of summarize for us? Obviously, this has been a long lesson on, on sin, but I want you to just specifically give it to us on Haman yeah. Yeah. and where that all goes, and then Kelly and I will close us out. Yeah. yeah, so Haman, throughout this chapter, you just see this, like, progression that he's filled with fury with, with Mordecai. He goes to the king and says, hey, king, there's this group of Jews that are um, working against you, that they're not following your laws are you okay with me? Or, or, or I think that we should try to take them out. They're, they're going to create some kind of uh, uproar against you. He gets the king on board, gets the money, gets the people to, to back him. Um, and all the way to the point where it's like written, the king signs off on it, puts his little signet ring stamp on it, and it is sent out um, for, for them to, to kill and wipe out all of the Jews. And one of the things that stands out to me, if you don't mind, um, yeah. is the end of chapter 15. Uh, the, how chapter this, three. Excuse me, verse 15, chapter 3. <laughs> how, this, how this chapter ends is the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. The king's in on it. Like, mm-hmm. he's on board. Haman has convinced him that he needs to, to wipe out all these people. And while they're sitting there having their drink, the city's just in confusion. Mm-hmm. They have no clue what is going to happen next with, with Haman and with this king. And so what starts as, hey, Saul didn't do his job, now has progressed all the way to Haman convinced the king, hey, let's wipe out this whole entire group of people. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's important for us to remember, though, mm-hmm. that God always has a plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so here's the king. He's in it with Haman, mm-hmm. knowing what they're doing, and let's just do all this and drinking and all that sort of stuff. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. But Esther's still in the palace. Yeah. And we're going to see where this goes. That's why it's important that you keep tuning in every week. Mm-hmm. But there, there has to be a reminder for you that all throughout the Bible, one of the things that I just love, it's so cool when you study the Old Testament, that God always has a remnant. Mm-hmm. God always has someone who's holding on, mm-hmm. waiting for their time, doing that sort of thing. And, and what I would tell you is don't be scared to be like Mordecai. Even when everyone around you is bowing mm. and caving into culture and saying, hey, I'm going to do all those things, don't you be scared to stand up. Yeah. Don't you be scared to, scared to allow God to use you because, listen, it might look like everything's falling apart. It might look like God is, is, is pulling back mm-hmm. and all my people are going to get wiped out and all these sort of things. But you just go, God has me here for a reason. Yep. And when you stay faithful to God, God is going to use you. Mm-hmm. Maybe not be the way that you think that he's going to use you, yeah. Yeah. but God's going to use you. And I just love the way this, this chapter ends, not because of what's happening, <laughs> but I, I love the statement that the whole land was in confusion. Mm-hmm. 
because I, I think that describes our world today. It yeah. Does, yeah. Where everybody's confused. It's like, well, should I do this? Should I not do that? Is it safe to go here? Is it safe not to? And everybody's just so confused, and you're going, what in the world is happening? Oh. God still has a purpose. And God still has you right where he has you on purpose. Mm. Don't miss that. Don't give in and start going to the other side and saying, hey, sin's no big deal. And all. No, no, no. Sin is a really big deal. That's what this chapter shows us. Yeah. Instead, you stay faithful to God and watch what God is going to do. Mm -hmm. Because just like our study of Esther, God has a next chapter for you too. Yeah. And let's just wait and see how God wants to use you uh, because I, I really think, I really think that we're, it'll be encouraging to all of us, but especially <laughs> all of us that are in this current season. Wait and see how God wants to use you as you come out of this. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah that's good. Kelly, you got anything that you want to say to close? I would say remember what we're calling this sermon series. Absolutely. Made for this. Yep. We are made for this moment. Like God has made each one of us to be exactly where we're at right now for a purpose. Yep. And we just need to be in tune with him, be praying to him, and just see what that is. Yeah. Well, we made a deal with you last week. We said that we were going to talk to you about uh, Beach Week yep. and summer programming and all that sort of stuff. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to disappoint you just a little bit, okay? <laughs> and here's the thing. The governor superseded our announcement. He said <laughs> that he was not going to make an announcement about camps yet, but he's wanting to do that. So I'm going to tell you, stay tuned one more week. I know that that's not fair because we told you to stay tuned this week. Um, but give us one more week. We're hoping to get some, some good news. We're hoping to finalize some things. But I want you to know we're going to do something, yeah. all right? So even if we're not able to do camps like normal, we're going to do something, all right? So don't get all discouraged. Don't go, mm -hmm. oh, man, this is going to be the worst thing ever. No, trust us and trust God. It's going to work out. Yeah. It's going to be a good thing. And just be praying that, that God helps us make the best decision possible. All right. So we love you. Thank you for watching. Mike, will you pray us out yeah. as we close today? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful um, just for this chance to study through the book of Esther and all that it has taught us um, in this season that we are in. And God, I pray that, that you would continue to raise up uh, more Mordecai's and more Esther's in our world, people that are willing to stand up for you, um, no matter the, the situation or the circumstance that they are in, um, that they would boldly proclaim um, that you are their Lord, um, that you are in control. God, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.